Judges chapter 7, verse 1, the Bible said, Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and, put, and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the hosts of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return turn and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned to the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will try them for, uh, for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I, shall, I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought the people under the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, by the three hundred men that lapped, will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thine hand and let all the other people go, every man unto his place. I want to ask you to leave your Bibles open here and I'll announce my title here in just a minute. And I have just two or three things I'd like to say about this text tonight. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for the good singing by the choir and the special uh, number tonight. And I pray now that you'd bless your word and speak to our hearts and may our hearts be encouraged and be challenged tonight as we look into the word of God for a message. I pray you'd help us tonight. Please touch us as I try to preach. I can't do this without you, Lord, and I don't even want to try. And I just pray that you'd help me tonight, please. And may our hearts be open to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're familiar with the history of the Old Testament, then you'll know that, of course, God brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt after 400 years of bondage. They then wandered in the wilderness for the next 40 years until finally they reached the, uh, the, the, the Jordan River, which across the river was the Promised Land. Of course, we know how that God dried up the Jordan River at a time when it was at flood stage, and Israel, just as they did the Red Sea, walked over on dry ground. They then the book of Joshua brings us up to the book of Joshua. And throughout the book of Joshua, we find that the nation of Israel could not lose. They fought one battle after another battle and that they just could not lose. God blessed them there at Jericho, a little bit later at Ai, and various places with the, the great battles that took place in the book of Joshua. Israel, walking in obedience to God, could not be defeated. They could not lose. However, when we cross over into the book of Judges, we find that things have taken a dramatic turn for the worst. Whereas in the book of Joshua, they couldn't lose. In the book of Judges, the nation of Israel could not win. I mean, it was one defeat after another defeat. And in our text tonight, in Judges chapter number 6, uh, and we find the nation of Israel once again 
living in a time of bondage, just like they were down in the land of Egypt. So in the book of Judges, they once again began to live in misery and in defeat. Back in Judges chapter number 6, we find that a group of people called the Midianites had invade, have invaded the land of Israel. These Midianites are actually first cousins to the nation of Israel. Believe that or not, they are first cousins. You may remember that Abraham, of course, married Sarah, and then they had a boy by the name of Isaac and who married Rebecca, they have two boys, one named Esau and the other by the name of Jacob. And through Jacob, God gave the nation of Israel. Those 12 sons of Jacob became the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. However, we know that after Sarah... Abraham's wife, after she died, he got married again. Yes, sir, at the ripe old age of about 137 years old, he went looking for another wife. God help us. And at the age of 137, old Abraham got married again, and this time he married a lady by the name of Couture. And God help them, but somehow or another, they started having babies. At the age of 137 years old, Abraham started hanging diapers out on the line again. And he had a boy, one of their first sons that was born to he and Keturah, was this boy by by the name of Midian. And Midian became the father of the Midianites. These same Midianites, the cousins of the nation of Israel, have now invaded the land of Israel. They have attacked Israel, and Israel is once again in prison again. They have fled at the sight of these Midianites. They have been forced to leave their homes. They're dwelling in caves and dens of the mountains. How sad indeed it is for God's people who ought to have victory. They have been given this land, and God has gave it to to them, and yet they've surrendered it back to the enemy, and they're now once again living in bondage just as they were down in the land of Egypt. They're afraid of these Midianites. And by the way, if God's on our side, we don't have to be afraid of anybody. And yet, because of their outright disobedience to God, God has withdrawn his presence and his power from the people, and they are living in caves and in dens of the mountains. How sad indeed. These, Israelite, uh, these Midianites have not only ran God's people offer their property out of their houses, but they've also taken over their crops. All that labor that went into those crops, all that labor, that sweat, the blood and the tears that went into raising those crops so that they would have food to set aside for the coming winter time for them and for their families. These Midianites, that once they've invaded the land, they, they not only drive God's people out of their houses, they also take their crops away from them. So Israel is now faced to, uh, to a, a now left to face one long winter of having very minimal food to eat. And here's the thing about it. When all this happened to the nation of Israel, they blamed God for their predicament. If you look back into chapter number 6 and verse number 13... Gideon said, Oh, my Lord, verse 13, if the Lord be with us, why is, uh, is, all, uh, is, all, is all this befallen us? And where be all of his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now hath the Lord forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. They're blaming God for their predicament. How many times do people get their lives in a real mess and then want to turn around and start blaming God for the mess that they find themselves in? Really, the whole problem was the sin and the disobedience of God's people. Look back into chapter 6 again and verse number 10. The last phrase of verse 10, God says this, you have not obeyed my voice. So the real problem with the nation of Israel was not that the Lord had forsaken them. The real problem is they've forsaken the Lord. 
Lord. If they want to find out what the real problem is, go in the bathroom, cut the light on, and look in the mirror. They were the problem. You know, anytime you and I get our, our feet off the path of obedience to God, onto the trail of disobedience to God, I'm telling you, nothing but bad things are going to happen in our life. Anytime you and I walk in obedience to God, victory is ours. Joy is ours. Uh, good things happen in our life when we walk in obedience to God, but when we become disobedient to God, I'm telling you, there's nothing but misery and poverty and agony for the people of God. And that's where the nation of Israel in Judges chapter number 7 find themselves tonight. However, God has raised up a man by the name of Gideon to do something about all this. God has raised up Gideon. Gideon will become the seventh judge in the nation of Israel or the, he'll become the seventh leader of the nation of Israel. He will be the man, though he has a lot of faults and a lot of failures and a lot of fear about him, he'll be the man that God is going to use to lead God's people out of this Midianite nightmare. Gideon will be the man that God will use to break the bondage of the Midianites, the yoke off of the, the necks of the children of Israel. And really how all this came about is an amazing thing. I don't know if you picked up on all this and just the text that I read about, but let me just start tonight. So they're going to go down and they're going to fight with these Midianites. The Midianites have oppressed them. They've driven them out of their houses. They've taken their crops and their herds from them. So somebody says, uh, Gideon says, I, uh, God says to Gideon, somebody's got to do something about it. Gideon, you're the man that I've chosen to lead my people out of this Midianite bondage. So the Bible said in chapter 7 in verse 1 that Gideon gathers his army together. Now, if you'll notice this as we work our way through this text, there are 32,000 in the the army of Gideon that are going to go down and fight with these Midianites. Now, I know you're probably sitting there thinking, you know, that's a pretty good crowd, 32,000 soldiers. I mean, they, they can fight a pretty good battle. But what we learn about over in chapter number 8 in verse number 10 is that this Midianite army was actually 135,000 strong. So we've got 32,000 Israelites that are going to go down and take on an army of the Midianites that are 135,000 strong. So right up front, we know that the armies of Israel are outnumbered four to one. But God's not through yet. So as we work our way through this text now, in verse number two, God said, Hey, Gideon, this 32,000 you got, man, that's too many. I mean, if y'all go down and fight the Midianites and you overcome them, y'all will get puffed up in your heart saying, y'all did this. So we're going to have to get rid of some of these soldiers. So with there in verse number three, he says, Gideon, go tell everybody that's afraid to just go home. And 22,000 soldiers turn and walk away. So now what started at, at 32,000, to 135,000 at four to one odds has now come to only 10,000, which brings it down now to 13 to one. 13 Midianite soldiers to one Israelite soldiers. But then God looks at, at Gideon again, and if I'm Gideon, I'm starting to wonder what in the world is going on here. But God looks at Gideon and said, nope. There's still too many of y'all. So he said, let's do something else. Verse 4, he said, y'all go down there to the river and get you a drink of water. 
And whoever I tell you to send home, send them home and the rest of them that stay with you, that's who's going to be fighting the battle. Well, they go down there and, and a test is performed. And God said, everybody that gets down and drinks water like a dog, you know, just laps it up like a dog, God said, set them down over here. And everybody that cups their hands and gets them drink and drinks it like this, God said, set them down over here. And uh, come to find out before the story is over, 9,700 people have drank water, drunk water like a dog, lapping it, while only 300 have cupped it in their hands and drank it like this. God said, hey, Gideon, send the 9,700 home. Your army is going to be 300 strong. I mean, that's the way that this went. So they go from 4 to 1 odds to 13 to 1 odds, and now it's 450 to 1 odds. Oh, Gideon, oh, Gideon is supposed to fight this battle with only 300 people. Watch this. What started out with 32,000 has now been dwindled down to 300 people. How many of y'all are with me? So tonight I want to preach on this thought right here. What's right with what's left? What's right with what's, right, what's left? There's only 300 left for crying out loud. But I want to tell you, God is getting ready to do something with that 300 people that only God can do. What's right with what's left? 300 of them. I want to show you some things from this text tonight, some things that I really like about this 300. First of all, I want you to see this. Number one, what's right about what's left? Number one, their decision to stay. Their decision to stay. Now, we're told a couple of things about this left crowd, the crowd that's left to fight the battle. The 300. First of all, if you look at verse number three, we're told that at the last phrase, there remained. So number one, we come to understand with this 300, bless their heart, number one, they remained. And then if you look over at verse number, uh, is it verse number, y'all help me find this, verse number, uh, y'all don't even know what I'm looking for, do you? Uh, look, it, it says they retain. Yeah, verse number 8. Not only did this 300 remain, but verse number 8 said this 300 retained. You see that there? They remained, and then we're told in verse number 8 that they retained. Now listen to this. The word remain. The word remain means to continue, or it means to persist, or it means to prevail, or it means to linger. It, it really means to stand, and it means to stay. So I guess we could say it like this. This 300 crowd, they chose to prevail, to linger, to stand, to stay, to continue. That's what that 300 crowd did. And then there's the word retain there in verse number 8. And the word retain means to cling to, or it means to hold to, or it means to keep or to maintain. Now when you put all that together, what I've just told you, one good thing you got to like about this crowd that was left, one thing that was right about what was left was simply this. They chose to linger. They chose to stand. They chose to stay. They chose to hang on. They chose to maintain. They chose to continue. I'm talking about that 300 crowd. One of the things that was right about the crowd that was left is they just chose to stay. I don't know about you, 
But if it come down to uh, from 32,000 all the way down to 300, I don't know about you. I don't know if I've been willing to stay or not. You mean to tell me we're going to fight, go down there and fight? How many did I say? 100 and how many soldiers? 100 and uh, how many did I say? 135,000 soldiers. We're going to take this 300 crowd and expect to go down there and fight a battle? Are you kidding me? But there was still 300 men that said, nope, we think we'll just hang around a while. We'll think we'll stay. We'll think we'll just continue. We'll think we'll stay. We'll think we'll, could, we'll linger. We're just going to hang on. We're going to maintain. Thank God for their, their, their choice, their decision to stay. That's what was right about what was left. They chose to stay. Now, let me say this. They chose to stay in spite of two things. Number one, in spite of all the desolation, they chose to stay. And by the way, that, that 31,000, let's see, that 31,700 people that went home, these 300 that stay face the same things the 31,700 faced. I mean, the same desolation. The Midianites had come down, taken over their homes. They destroyed their crops. They'd taken off their livestock. They faced the same desolation that everybody else faced. And yet, in spite of all that, they didn't go home. They didn't tuck tail and run. They chose to stay in spite of everything that had happened to them. In spite of the desolation, the devastation, station, they chose to stay. And then let me say this, number two, they chose to stay in spite of the demoralization. I mean, there was plenty to be devastated about. They'd lost their homes. They'd lost their crops. Didn't know what in the world they was going to eat throughout all the winter months. Everything they had had been taken away from them. And if that wasn't bad enough, can you just imagine standing there as one of these 300 and watching 31,700 of your fellow comrades turn and walk away from you? I'm telling you, that had to be a little bit demoralizing. That had to be just a little bit of a setback to this crowd. And yet, with not even 1%, of what they started with, they chose to stick around a while. And I just want to encourage us all. I mean, man, we face some tough times in these days, but let's make up our mind to be like the 300. Hey, let's remain. Let's retain. Let's linger. Let's abide. Let's, let's hang around. Let's maintain. Let's hang on. Let's hold on. I'm here to tell you, God is still God, and he's able to do big things for us in these days. Thank God for people who stay. I just want to thank you for staying. And I have an amen. I just want to thank y'all for staying. You say, what's all that have to do with us? I'm about to tell you in a minute. But I appreciate those who have remained. I appreciate those who have retained. You know, one of the things that we saw during this last two years, we saw a lot of people walk off. Am I right? We saw a lot of people who just 31,700 who just decided they're just going to go home or maybe not go home, but stay at home. <coughs> We've seen that. We've saw many that we used to stand beside of in the pew or sit beside of or sing beside of or teach beside of or ride a church bus beside. We've seen a lot of people in these last two years, we've seen them just like they did, turn and walk off. But thank God for those who made up their mind, who said, y'all can go if you want to. You can sit at home, watch it on computer if you want to. You can do whatever you want to. But by the help and the grace of God, I think I'm just going to hang around the car. I think I'll just stay. And so they have remained. I like their decision to stay. What's right about what's left? They decided to stay. And let me just say again, what's right about what's left? Hey, at least you decided to stay. 
Amen. Hey, hang on, friend. Abide. Continue. Linger. Persist. Prevail. Hang in there. God is still God, and God can still do great things for us in these days. They decided to stay. That's what's right about what's left. But now here's my favorite thing. Not only did they decide to stay, but number two, I, I like their desire to submit. All right, watch this now. There's 300 left. There's 135,000 stinking Midianites that they got to go fight with. Boy, you ought to know. They probably were thinking, man, Gideon has got a great battle plan. I mean, he has got to have a military genius mind to even go attempt to fight a battle against 135,000 with only 300 soldiers. He has got, I mean, evidently, we're going to flank them on the right. We're going to get behind them and ambush them. I mean, man, we're going to attack when they, we're going to hit their weak points in the weak spots of their line. We're going to fan out. We're going to move through them. I mean, Gideon has got to have this big fight plan to go down and win this battle. Gideon, what's your plan? Well, I think probably what we're going to do is we're going to go down there and we're just going to try to get around them a little bit. And, you know, after a while we might shout a little bit and, if y'all don't mind, take a hammer with you. We might break some glass and turn a flashlight on or two. Wait a minute. This is your battle plan? You're going to take us 300 down there to fight 135,000 of them with that kind of plan? But guess what? They desired to submit to the leadership of the man of God. I mean, watch this. Look at this verse, verse 17. Judges 7, verse 17. The Bible said that he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall you do. What's our plan? Well, just go down there, get around them, and then watch me. And whatever I do, you do. That's his battle plan for crying out loud. And 300 are going to go fight 135,000 with a battle plan like that. You know, I appreciate people that not only have decided to stay, but thank God for people who just said, you know something? That guy's our leader there, and I, he ain't much. And by the way, Gideon wasn't much. He was fearful. God just had to keep reassuring him. You know, God come to him when he found him. He was threshing wheat, hid out over there from the Midianites. And the first thing God said to him, he said, Hello, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. I, if I'd have been Gideon, I said, You talking to me? I mean, I'm hid out over here threshing wheat because I'm scared of the Midianites, and you have the audacity to walk up and call me a mighty man of valor. Can I say, boy, Gideon had a lot of faults. Gideon had, he was fearful, he was afraid. God had to constantly reassure him. You know, he put the fleece out because he wouldn't take God at his word. And then it was wet and then it was dry. Then he said, well, I really, maybe I misunderstood that. So he put it back out and then it was dry and then it was wet. And then God had to give him some dreams and God had to even go tell some other people, hey, run over there and tell Gideon everything's going to be all right. He was fearful. He had a lot of faults. But guess what? He was the man that God chose to lead this crowd into victory over the Midianites. With all of his faults, with all of his failures, here's 300 men that said, you know something? He may not have much of a battle plan. He may not know what he's doing, but bless his heart, he's the man of God and we'll just try our best to follow him. Can I have an amen? Now, you say, preacher, what's all I got to do? Well, come up close just a minute. I, I got a confession to make to y'all and my confession is this. 
through this whole period of COVID. And thank you for staying, but through this whole period of COVID, can I tell you something? I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't even know what I was doing before COVID came. Much less now after COVID's game. You know, my main problem, number one, is I don't know what I'm doing. And my second and biggest problem is I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, it seems like we have to, we, we try to make a step or two forward and then we got to make a step or two back. I've never pastored in a pandemic before. I never have. I mean, I've never, I, I've never been through anything, and, and I know you haven't either, but I'm just trying to say, man, I've struggled through this. I really have. You know, the first thing we did was we said, well, I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to, uh, I remember <laughs> we decided we was going to make the kids in school wear a mask. So some of our church people said, well, bless God, our kids ain't going to wear a mask in school. We're Republicans. We don't believe in bless God masks. Okay, wonderful. So uh, they jerked their kids out of our school, and then they left the church over that. Well, then we said, well, you know something, I guess, you know, maybe there's some people that want to wear a mask and some people that don't want to wear a mask. So here's what we'll do. We'll make mask optional on uh, Sunday. Uh, so we'll have an 8 o'clock service on Sunday morning and we'll, everybody that comes to that service can wear a mask. And then the next service, they don't have to wear a mask. And then Sunday night, you don't have to wear a mask. And then Wednesday night, you do have to wear a mask. And what, what I was just trying to do was trying to keep everybody plugged in and engaged here. And guess what? Some people left church over that then. Bless God, we ain't going to wear no mask on Wednesday night. We'll just go off somewhere else, tie off somewhere else and move the membership somewhere else because we ain't going to wear no mask over here. And, and then, and then we, we did away with the 8 o'clock service because I thought, well, you know, maybe we're getting beyond all this. So we stopped the 8 o'clock service and, and uh, just went to, back to regular services, had folks left over that, uh, over that not wearing mask at the 8 o'clock service anymore. I just got to tell you something, man. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to feel my way through this just like everybody else is. But I just, bless God, appreciate once in a while somebody saying, you know something, he don't know what he's doing. He's got a lot of faults. He's got a lot of problems. He, he's not perfect. We get all that. But he's a man God's put here for now. And by the help and the grace of God, we just think we're going to hang around a while. And if he says we've got to wear a mask, let's wear one. If he says we don't have to wear one, let's don't wear one. If he said everybody needs to get a shot, go get a shot. If you don't need a shot, don't have a shot. But just understand, I'm not claiming to be perfect. I'm not claiming to know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to feel my way through this, keep our church together, and bless the Lord. I'd appreciate it every once in a while. Somebody saying, whatever he does, I'm just going to hang around a while. I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. I don't know where we're going. have no idea. By this time next year, we may be back to going online. I have no idea. But just know one thing. God put me here right now. And I'm just going to try to feel my way through this and do the best I can. And just like that 300, I don't have a battle plan. I mean, my battle plan for COVID is this. Well, we might shout a little bit and, and we'll have somebody sing a song or two and we get up and preach and holler and spit a little bit, and then we'll just get in the car and go, that's my battle plan. I have no idea. But the one thing I do know is this. God called me here, and God put me here in this place, and as long as I'm here, I'm going to try to love you and try to preach the Word of God and try to do what's right. And in God's name, don't run off. In God's name, hang around a while. We'll get through it someday, and you'll be glad you stuck, you stuck in here.
I appreciate their decision to stay. I appreciate their, de their, de their desire to submit. I don't, I say again, man, I, I, listen, if you got any suggestions on how to handle this, let me know. I'm glad, I'm open to any kind of suggestions you may have. I'll listen to anybody about anything, but bless your heart, don't get mad if we do something you don't like. If God has put you here, if God's led you here, you ought to stay here, bless God, mask or no mask, shot or no shot, stinking COVID or no COVID. If God puts you here in God's name, hang around a while. God can still do great things for us. Yes, sir. Am I preaching this story now? I appreciate I'll tell you what was right with that crowd that was left. They decided to stay. They desired to submit. Then I like this. Here's another thing that was right about what was left. Their dedication to shout. I mean, they shouted before. The, anybody can shout after the battle's over. This crowd's shouting before the battle's over. This crowd's shouting before the battle even started. I mean, look at our story in Judges 7. Gideon said in verse 18, When I blow with the trumpet, and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And the Bible said they got around that camp, and wasn't long, they stood every man, verse 21, stood every man in his place. And all the host ran and cried and fled. I mean, man, and they shouted before the battle even started. So I said a moment ago, anybody can shout after the battle's over. But thank God for people who can shout before the battle even starts. Thank God for that crowd. It's got some joy about them. And I, I want to go back and just say another word real quickly. Uh, though they were outmanned and outgunned and outnumbered, they didn't let that keep them from shouting the victory. Amen. Shouted in you. And I've said a lot about this recently, but I just want to say another word about being vocal in our worship. Man, vocalize in our worship. There, there's something to be said for people who vocalize their worship. These Midianites became convinced that they were outnumbered. There are 300 of those, those Israelites around that mountain. The Midianites are in the valley. 300 in that mountain. But, buddy, I mean, they started shouting, and the Midianites thought, I mean, for every one shout they heard, there was probably thousands and thousands. You know what convinced those Midianites they were outnumbered? There was a bunch of people in those hills that shouted even before the battle started. And I just want to say, man, everybody don't shout. I get all that. But when we come to church, we ought to be vocal about our worship. We ought to have a good amen once in a while. Hey, when the choir gets cranked up and starts singing about Hey, we shall see Jesus. Somebody ought to raise their hand. Hey, when we start singing, my name is written there, somebody ought to jump up and say, glory. It's okay, and it'll convince the world, thank God that we believe what we say we believe when we vocalize our worship. Yes, sir, despite how things look, they shouted anyway. And, buddy, the more they shouted, the more these Midianites thought, man, it, we're, we're whooped. Amen. I like, their, I, I like their dedication to shout. And, and my last thing is this. What was right about what was left? I like their determination to shine. Verse 19, the, the Bible said, So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him, by the way, he broke the, uh, the 300 up into groups of hundreds. And the Bible said in verse 19, the hundred men that were with him came to the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. The middle watch. I read that the hours of the middle watch were from 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. or to 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. was the middle watch. So it was just the beginning of the middle. So it's around 10 o'clock. All those Midianite soldiers have just laid down in their tents to go to sleep. 
And I mean, they're just, they're just dozing off. They know there's going to be a battle. They feel, probably feel confident they can win. They, they way outnumber their enemies. They all lay down, go to sleep. Next thing you know, the Bible said all they hear in those hillsides surrounding them is a bunch of people starting to shout. And in verse number 20, they broke the pitchers, held the lamps in their left hands, the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all, and they cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. You say, preacher, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Those Midianites got so scared and so confused about the shouting and the light shining in those hills, they thought, oh my goodness, we are, we're defeated, we're outnumbered, that they got confused and they started fighting with one another and eventually the, the battle is, is, is over, uh, the the, the nations, the Midianites have destroyed each other and Israel didn't even have to pull a sword out. You know why? God did that. When God's people just decided to obey him. I tell you, that's what was right about what was left. They determined to shine. You know, we're living in a dark day, friend. We really are. And I'm not going to depress you, but I mean, it's dark outside, not only physically, but it's getting darker and darker spiritually in this world. If there's ever been a time God's people ought to get the hammer of God's Word and break the glass, bless the Lord. Shine. My light won't go far, but I can shine right around me. I can help others. I can show some light, and who knows, this world may look at that and say, oh my goodness, we're outnumbered, they're on the winning side. By the way, we are on the winning side, but we just need to be determined to shine in these last days. And I said all I'd say this, if you ask me, that's what's right about what's left. Amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all with me, ain't you? Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father.